What is really going on, Crypto Savages? You are listening to the CoinSpice podcast with host C. Edward Kelso, editor-in-chief at CoinSpice.io, your home for spicy crypto things on the net. So, all right, this is a long time coming. It's, it's very difficult to get Mark Lamb of CoinFlex on. Uh, he's a busy, busy dude in Hong Kong, and we were one of the first outlets, I think second only to Bloomberg, uh, on the fateful day that he launched a few months back. Uh, to have him on. So uh, it's a real honor that, that you come back on and kind of share the updates and all that good stuff. But thanks very much for, for doing this, Mark. We, we, we really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Always a big fan of, uh, of CoinSpice. Very cool. So CoinFlex is a physically settled futures exchange, and that's quite a mouthful. But I think it's probably best to kind of start off with well, you know, the basic idea of speculation, which uh, when we're on the currency side of things, we're all about, you know, commerce and peer-to-peer cash and exchanges and stuff are, are if I wouldn't say they're the enemy, but they're, they're sort of mm, talked down on as, as if they're peripheral to the, you know, sort of the point of things like Bitcoin. And I think we're now starting to be disabused of that because exchanges are not only ubiquitous, but they're, I mean, we, in, in the news game, I, I can't stop covering them. So if yeah. everybody's not interested in them, I don't know why the hell we're talking about them all the time because obviously they're very, very, very important, especially now uh, to the ecosystem. Um, but wh- why do you think, before we get into futures specifically and, and, and sort of the derivatives idea, um, why do you think speculation, kind of that, that rank term, which I know royal some traders and, and people, um, why do you think it gets such a bad name? Or, or I guess maybe a better question is, why, why do you think it's important? Well, yeah, I mean, speculation is extremely important. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's always this difference between short-term traders and long-term traders. And a lot of people blame speculators uh, or in, in some cases, they blame short sellers uh, when the price does something that they just don't want it to do. So people who you know own a lot of an asset might not That's like short sellers or or speculators who drive a price. You know, they maybe seem to be driving a price down by by selling lots of it or or even selling lots of it that they don't have. Um, you know, it kind of makes sense that people would be angry with these people, but really, it's providing liquidity and. The beautiful thing about the market is if, if someone's doing something you disagree with um, and you have the capital to back it up, you can, you, you know, you can take the other side of that trade and you can say, well, you've, you've drove, driven the price down to a level which I don't think makes any sense. I'm going to buy a bunch from you um, and, and the, best, you know, the best traders win. And so this is where it's, it's, it's just one of those things that over time, markets become more efficient, markets become more liquid, and any speculator is, you know, there's, there's one way to think about it, which is that they're basically just, you know, degenerates or, or whatever, but right. there's another way to think about it, which is um, in the same way an academic puts his thesis into a committee and, you know, eventually uh, it might go into a textbook or something, and in the same way an engineer might, might you know, have an idea and eventually it creates a car, Speculation is sort of a process of invention uh, that's very quickly followed by a process of testing that thesis 
in the real world in, in almost real time um, and pretty quickly getting proven right or wrong uh, day in, day out. So, you know, the best traders, they're very creative. Um, they're, they're very fast on their feet. You know, they think, they think, they think actively and they're just, they're just testing ideas out They're They're testing things out and, and seeing the results of those tests basically in real time. So I, I think it's a beautifully inventive process. Um, and, and it's exciting and it, and it's fun. And, and, and the good thing is it's not just uh it's not just luck there's there's skill involved as well and there is actually an ability that you know that some people have to you know to outperform the market or or to do well and mm-hmm. and in some cases you can make a living or 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 make fantastic amounts of money or 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 what have you and so that that's 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 the benefit of it you know and and any holder benefits from it as well because if the more speculators are, speculators make money from volatility, and you can't make money from volatility and also increase volatility. So, anyone who makes money from volatility is actually reducing it. Um, they're they're dampening the swings, and they're they're providing liquidity to the buyers and sellers. And so, this liquidity is what holders are able to be confident in because they can say, "Well, I know that I can always get out," so it makes me more confident to hold. Um, and, and it's very, very key that they're really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I think of, uh, of speculation. I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, it's existed for all time. It will continue to exist for all time and, and it makes markets, um, amazing. And it's, it, it seems to me something that, uh, I think we might've talked about this before, um, that many in the space hadn't really anticipated. And now it is, I mean, arguably it is the liquidity arm, um, if I describe it as one thing, uh, for the entire space. So if you want to point to how your project is doing, uh, there's a green number and there's a red number or an arrow or whatever, or a market cap or a price or whatever you want to focus on. So, um, yeah, I, I think exchanges are, uh, are, you know, for better, for worse or whatever, they're a reality. And. Uh, as you say, they serve a a really legitimate uh, purpose, and and I love the skin in the game aspect uh, that you're pointing to. That you know this is no longer just theory, but they're actually in there. And so, taking that a little bit further, futures and I guess derivatives, if I if I lump them together, which probably is a mistake, those are even, especially derivatives, that, that's just, it's almost like a cuss word in the United States. I mean, it's supposedly responsible for all the bad things that have ever happened uh, financially. Uh, but I've, I've heard you talk about it before. Um, can you go into a little bit about futures and derivatives and, and why they're important? Sure. So derivatives, derivatives solve real world problems that people have. It's, it's, very, it's very, very important. You know, there are there are bad derivatives out there. Um, there are problematic derivatives out there. In fact, there's a great book I read by Richard Sandor, um, who has been on the board of practically every exchange out there and, and, you know, very, very influential, uh, in the traditional future space. Um, and it's one of my favorite books about futures is a book called good derivatives. Um, and it talks about, you know, it talks about, it's mostly about futures. Um, and it just talks and it goes back from interest rate futures to commodity futures, all sorts of things. 
And it's mostly just this guy who's been in the exchange game for, you know, his whole career and just different, you know, different stories of his and how he thinks about derivatives. But derivatives basically solve problems where one company or one individual or one, uh, you know, one player in a market has some risk that they want to uh, change or they maybe want to obtain some risk. Um, you know, I, I always want to be long crypto, right? Um, one way for me to do that is to buy a bunch of Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum. Another way for me to do that is to buy futures on these assets. And depending on my situation, uh, it may make more sense for me to buy these in derivatives markets rather than in spot markets. Um, there might be miners or there might be other players, uh, com commercial firms, trading firms, um, other types of firms that may have a, a, a natural reason to sell Bitcoin futures. Um, and lending and borrowing and payment processing are also a, a big, big component of the space. But, you know, the, the example people always give is the, you know, the corn futures market. So back in the day, mm -hmm. you know, corn farmer needed to, didn't know where the price of corn would be in six months or nine months. So they would sell some corn futures and speculators would buy them up because they thought, oh, this may be cheap or, or you know, maybe corn's going to go up or, and there'd be players that, that actually needed corn. And so, you know, some, in some scenarios, you know, most, most of the sellers go to speculators. Most of the buyers go to speculators. Sometimes sellers and buyers interact with each other directly. Um, you know, Kellogg's needs corn for cereal and then farming companies need to sell corn to, to get cash. Um, so they trade in, you know, these physically delivered uh, corn futures markets. Um, and we're just basically trying to do that for Bitcoin. Um, most people will not go to delivery. So delivery is this concept where at the end of the futures contract, uh, which is the end of every month, um, there's a delivery mechanism that happens. And, and for CoinFlex, it's uh, physically delivered. So what that means is longs, anyone who, who buying contracts uh, receives a Bitcoin. Anyone who's selling contracts delivers Bitcoin and receives Tether. Um, most contracts, most people will not actually go to expiry, go to delivery. But the ability to go to delivery is very, very key because it means that these contracts can be used for all sorts of real-world use cases and it ties the contracts into the real world. So it's very, very exciting for adoption of crypto. And it also helps with, um, uh, I don't want to call it cheating, that's such a base um, um, you know, accusation, but th there is some thought and I'm trying to think of the example. There, there was like a swing, you know, fairly recent in the last few months where on an exchange, uh, some whale went in and just, you know, sold a bunch or gobbled yeah. up a bunch of Bitcoin yeah. and slammed yeah. the price. And then, I mean, I mean, that's, that's all fair in love and war, but that's more likely, no. right, in a, in a, in, in a non-physically settled environment, right? Yeah, you can call it like it is. Um, people, people have said this, you know, people are accusing it of being market manipulation. Um, and that's, that's the accusation. We don't know if it's actually market manipulation, but right. most of the traders I talk to agree that it is. It's basically, when you have a cash settled futures contract, it references a spot price. Um, but it references that spot price on maybe two, maybe four, maybe loads of exchanges. It actually doesn't matter the number. There's problems with small numbers and there's problems with big numbers. But 
it references some number of spot exchanges. Um, well, derivatives open interest, which is the number of outstanding derivatives contracts at any one time, is usually huge. And there's not that many people that need to go and you know buy physical you know spot bitcoins at any one point in time. So so the spot markets are not super active. Derivatives markets are more active. But what's even more active than just the volumes of derivatives markets is the amount of open interest is often, you know, could be enormous. It could be equal to the day, the, the volume in the entire day. Um, so so when, problem, when you say when you say open interest, are you yet at the sort of the difference between the prices of exchanges, or or have I skipped over a step? Oh, sorry. So open interest is the amount of outstanding contracts. So so if I buy a contract from you. Um, and you sell it to me, we've created one contract of open interest. So this is kind of the amount of, amount of Bitcoins worth of, of contracts or the amount of dollars worth of contracts in outstanding, uh, you know, positions in the system. Um, so I might have a, if, 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 if someone's a manipulator, what they would do is they would take a very large short or a very large long position in, in the futures markets or the perpetual swap markets. And then they would they would go on the spot exchanges and they might take that out slowly through the course of the day, but it could be a huge position. It could be $40 million. Um, and then they'd go to the spot exchanges and just sell those prices down, you know, sell every, every single bid down to very, very low prices. And since the derivatives reference those spot prices, there's nothing, you know, they're going to get all the P&L from being short in those futures markets and, and just having moved the price effort almost effortlessly, you know, it costs some money, but. And the P and L is profit and loss. So they slam that price down. Are they in, in, in the case of maybe a short, um, are they then waiting to then reaccumulate buy back up? They could have, they could have stacked bids in the, in the order book down where down near where they, where they're planning to sell it down to. So they don't even have to wait to buy it back up. They might have, they might be the bids that are buying it back up. Right. Um, beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, why wait for the order book to lag when you can just have your orders uh, left in the order book there? So Damn. this is, this is like, this is not that complicated. This is not like, you don't have to be a quant to, to realize how to do this. <laughs> um, you, you know, it helps to be a quant to execute it, but there's there's probably a hundred or a thousand players in the world that that could do these types of strategies, and there's absolutely nothing stopping you know these Bitcoin exchanges from having these strategies. In in many cases, I mean, in all in all cases, the spot markets are different from the derivatives markets, and I'm sure they're not willing to share their customer data with each other, so they have no idea who's doing it. You know, you, you only know I was short, I was long. Okay. But so were, you know, 10,000 other people. Mm -hmm. uh, and if the manipulator are smart, they're going to split it up between accounts. Right. I was just you thinking know. that. So it's impossible to prevent unless you do physically delivered futures. Boom. Is, and that's where CoinFlex comes in. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a simple one. We, we just don't price based off a of spot exchange. We don't have this Oracle problem that, uh, that, that these other exchanges have. And this becomes uh, especially useful, um, again, as, as I explained before we went on, and, and again, you are familiar with, with CoinSpice. Uh, we're all about 
the use of cryptocurrency as peer-to-peer digital cash in the real world solving real problems. So not this sort of, you know, either wash trading example or just kind of shoving it between, between each other back and forth um, as, a, as, a, as a, you know, sort of greater fool idea, but actually used by merchants and commerce. And, and this is something that really caught yeah. me off guard. And, and I can't remember, but I, I know it was you. And I can't remember where you said it, uh, which I guess doesn't really matter at this point. But you, you, you did say something about this having uh, physically settled, settled uh, futures has, has a real like positive or, I guess, uh, um, anti-volatility uh, uh, notion for merchants, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I remember where I said it. I said it on your podcast, uh, you know, the day, the day we announced <laughs> the spinoff. Um, so, so, yeah, no, I, I remember saying that. Um, basically, the, the core concept is, is, is pretty simple, which is a lot of the magic of crypto is truly captured when you don't leave crypto. So people are always like, oh, you know, merchant adoption of Bitcoin where you can get Bitcoin but not deal with the volatility and just cash out straight into dollars. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's people actually who go in to, to do adoption stuff and to get the merchants to to agree uh, if they're hesitant and they just sort of underwrite things and they, they just basically let them dump out into fiat, right? Which, which, is, which is logical for the business. The business does not want to be long crypto and they right. shouldn't be long crypto. But... You know, and, and, and to be clear, I'm a huge fan of BitPay. They've done amazing work for the space. Sure. But there is this other thing you can do, which is allow the merchants to just short futures anytime they receive Bitcoin. And then they can hold the Bitcoin, short the futures contracts, and anytime they're paying, and then they can use the Bitcoin to pay salaries. You know, there's a lot of, there's actually a lot of companies now um, that are taking in Bitcoin and or or Bitcoin Cash or Ethereum or you know different cryptos and just not selling them and they you know they they want to use them because it's very useful to make payments around the world but they're exposed to this massive volatility so why don't we get them to take in BCH take in BTC whatever and then short futures contracts and then when they're paying when when they're making the payout to an employee or a supplier or you know paying paying those bitcoin off they 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 just buy back the futures and so the whole time they never have any exposure to the price but they get this asset which has the ability for them to be um effectively a a price stable crypto asset that they can send anywhere with with very little fees and and you know almost instantly kind of the promise of uh you know, of Bitcoin, the original promise of Bitcoin, which, you know, right now is, is held true in, in, in Bitcoin cash. And, and I'm, so, I'm so glad you put it that way because now we're full circle, right? We're, we're coming, yeah. so, so people were very upset or scared or, you know, poo-pooed the, the, the exchange idea and speculation and, you know, the furthering down the road of things like futures. And now here it is, the irony of all ironies is that it could be that futures themselves physically settled ones um, are are that link we needed to close the loop to make a cryptocurrency based economy 
realer? Is, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how to phrase that. Well, again, it's going back to this basic idea, which is commercial adoption, real world usage doesn't work without speculation. If you want to be able to use Bitcoin, you need to be able to buy and sell it for cash. If you want to be able to do that, you need speculators. You know, this idea that every buyer can be matched with a seller that, that naturally, you know, is, is merchant related or wants to sell at that point in time, it's completely insane. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's never been the situation in, in financial markets or markets generally. And it's, it's not going to be. Um, so it's, it is amazing how naive we are. Um, well, as everyone, enthusiast. everyone is, I, I was too. And you know, it, this is, this is the beautiful thing about this space is it's always a learning process for all of us. You know, I, yeah. I understand Schnorr's signatures. I don't, there's, there's so many parts of crypto I don't understand. And there's a lot of parts of crypto I do understand that I can, you know, explain to other people. And so we're all just learning things. Very, very, very cool. Um, I, I just, I, I love how you explain things and it's, it's it just, it clears a lot, especially for me in making sense of, of your work and why it's so important. Um, so since we've spoken, you guys have actually launched your own token now with the advent of the simple ledger protocol uh, on Bitcoin cash. And I may be stepping on some of your toes a little bit here, but why why a flex coin or a flex token and you know is is that sort of your answer to the 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 binance uh, bnb idea or kind of kind of take us through your your thought process there well absolutely so you know one thing is i think there's a lot of exchange coins out there um that don't really make sense so some of these coins uh if you actually look at them the discounts fade away after years or or something like that and and, and really at the end, you know, in a, in a few years, there are a lot of exchange tokens, which the exchange might be super valuable, but the token might, might have actually gone to zero by that time. So, or, or, or might not be worth very much. Um, so, so CoinFlex, you know, we've created this exchange token and, and, you know, I think it's very important to note, it's not a get rich quick scheme. We didn't sell any to investors. Um, it's, it's not an ICO, right? It's not an ICO. Exactly. So, so um, it's, it's, it's not at all a fundraising mechanism for, for CoinFlex. What it is, is basically an incentive for traders to, to join the platform. Um, and I, I, I do think, you know, the, the origins of this kind of go back 150 years to the CME, where, you know, a lot of their early traders um, basically got cheap shares in the exchange. And, you know, so you're talking about the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, right? Yeah, it was typically, it's been, you know, for, for, for most of its history, it was actually a members-owned uh, members exchange. So it wasn't, mm -hmm. wasn't a, it was something sort of different from a private company which was limited by shares. It was something different from a public company, which is what it is now. Um, and it was, it was kind of a trader-owned exchange. Um, and that worked really well. And, and CoinFlex, you know, we're, we're obviously, we have shareholders. We're not, we're not a members-owned company. But we do want to create something which is relatively friendly to our early adopters. And so what Flexcoin is, is basically it's a trade-driven mining token, and it's the first taker-driven mining token. So there's been a few attempts at trade-driven mining before. Most haven't worked out very well. Um, there's a few problems why they haven't worked out, and I could go into that at length. But um, <laughs> one of the problems is, you know, in the long term, even if the exchange succeeds, 
you know, the, the, there's mechanisms for the, the, the actual value to not be in the token and, and, and you know, the, the token value to just go down. So that includes things like dividends, that includes things like the fee discounts going away after five years, that includes various different things. But, but high level, that was one of the problems. Another problem is they paid both sides of the trade. So it became very easy to wash trade on these exchanges. Um, we, own, we pay out, so 70% of the flex coins will be issued to traders over the first two years of, of CoinFlex's uh, existence. And basically it's paid out to takers. So it's not paid out to market makers, it's paid out to takers on the platform. Because mm. a lot of our shareholders are actually market makers themselves, and we really want to get takers involved, and that's a, you know, we also only want to pay one side of the trade, because if you pay both sides, you know, you basically encourage wash trading. So we've got a wide tick size, $1, and we, we have this incentive mechanism that incentivizes uh, takers to actually trade. Um, and so far, it's, it's gone really well. You know, it, it kind of launched, started trading in the market, 15 cents, 18 cents. Um, it, it's it's, it's uh, one of the things I'm pretty proud about is it's not, uh, it's not been like pumped too hard or it's not, it's not gone crazy. It's been pretty stable, pretty steady. Um, I think the volatility has been lower than almost all the stable, all the other stable coins in existence. So that's, that's, or, sorry, all the other exchange coins in existence. So that's been a big, big accomplishment. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just been steadily rising. So uh, the, because, because of the, the model, the economic model is basically you can spend 100 flex and get 50% off of a day's trading fees. So it's very, very appealing to traders, especially large traders, because they know, well, if my fees are you know, a couple hundred dollars a day, I can spend, or a couple, or a thousand dollars a day, or whatever. I can spend hundred flex, and basically, I'm redeeming flex coin at effectively a couple dollars, or five dollars, mm. or ten dollars per flex coin. So why not buy them at twenty five cents, um, or or twenty eight cents, or you know whatever the price is? Um, so it ends up being a really nice incentive mechanism for these traders. And there's also this, if you know, twenty percent of profits will be basically spent buying and burning flex coins in, in the order book. So, so that's, that's another component as well that, that helps, um, you know, is, is this buy and burn basically. And I think we'll, we'll end uh, here on what I, I find to be super fascinating. Uh, if you can give us kind of a quick back of the envelope, uh, look here into your neologism, your IFO, your initial yes. future opening and kind of, kind of tell us what, what that's about. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, CoinFlex, we, we're, we just basically are trying to solve market problems with derivatives. Um, that's, that's kind of what gets us out of, the, out of bed every day and what we love doing and our passion. And, you know, my co-founder has had a, a, a long career basically doing that in the traditional space. And I've been trying to do that for six years in the crypto space. And so, um, we both just love solving problems with derivatives. IFOs are one way to one way we're trying to do that, which is basically there's a lot of these projects which haven't launched yet. Um, and there's a lot of you know smaller customers that would love to buy them but can't because they're basically only available to high net worth individuals because the coins haven't gone live yet. So there's these complicated legal contracts um, and it gets very messy and it's often only accessible to high net worths. Um, 
basically rich people. And there's all these larger investors that maybe have purchased early and would love to hedge. And so we wanted to make a market for these people to kind of interact. And obviously it's, it's an initial futures opening is a, basically a term we're using for a futures contract on a coin that doesn't exist yet. So in the first case we did, we did a polka dot mm -hmm. uh, and tomorrow uh, we're doing tomorrow, which is uh I don't know when this is going out, so and this is in different time zones for you and me. So Thursday, <laughs> the, the 22nd, we're launching uh, Definity. Um, and these are both coins which are doing very interesting things, very, very new um, and kind of uh, very, very technologically advanced projects uh, that have a lot of private buyers, a lot of, um, a lot of people investing in them, but they, they haven't really been tradable publicly yet. And so we're make we're not we're obviously not listing the coins themselves because they don't exist. Right. Um, we're listing futures contracts on those coins, and the way we margin that, and the way we kind of uh, are able to handle that, is by over collateralizing anyone who's shorting the coins. Because obviously, the risk is if the coins go up massively in value at the time of launch, then you know, we're not going to be able to supply supply the coins to the... <laughs> right. Yeah, so that's kind of the way we're handling it. And, yeah, I mean, it's, cool. it's, it's been super exciting. They're very, very volatile products. Um, so, so, especially on the first day, most of the trading happens in the first two days. Um, for example, I think our, our, uh, our Bitcoin futures traded uh, something like 200 and... $10 million in the last 24 hours are futures. There's orders in the order book. There's bids and offers, but the 24 hour volume is zero. Um, which, which, which doesn't mean it's a failure. Um, that just means right now, you know, most of the, most of the trading volume happens in the first 24 hours. Right. So, um, so that's kind of how people are interacting with it. And it's, it's, it's pretty typically a very, very exciting 24 to 48 hours. It's just lots of volume, lots of trading. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's kind of, and, and then, and then thereafter it creates sort of a market price for the asset where people can say, okay, cool. If, if I have, um, private agreements for this asset, I can now know the mark to market value of the asset itself. And, 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 and that's very useful to the market as well, even just as a signaling mechanism. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And it's a way in for, um, you know, those that didn't get to participate. Um, yeah. You know, sort of as a, either accredited investors or what have you. So, yeah, just, just a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant idea. Um, again, man, I cannot thank you enough for coming on. Uh, maybe next time I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit more about uh, Hong Kong and things that are going on there. <laughs> um, and I definitely want to get your take on Bact and some other things. But uh, in, in the meantime, man, I'm going to let you go and enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, I know you're extremely busy. Uh, but where can people find you and find your work and, and follow you? Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you so much for having me on. Always a pleasure to come on the show. Um, uh, you can find more about CoinFlex on the website, coinflex.com, our Twitter, uh, coinflexdot.com. Uh, and then my me personally, I'm basically Mark David Lamb on everything. So Mark David Lamb on on uh, Twitter and, and Telegram, and, and both are pretty great ways of getting a hold of me. 
he is a guy to watch in the space and uh, doing some some incredible things as you've heard um again i i can't thank you enough for doing this uh, it was very last minute uh thanks again man appreciate it thanks a lot thanks thanks kelso talk soon Bye.